DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, all published by the Crossroads Publishing Company. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We now begin part one of our conversation with Father Gallagher discussing dryness in prayer in relationship to spiritual desolation. Question will come up at times. I'm feeling dry in my spiritual life. My prayer is dry, arid. This doesn't feel, I don't feel, you know, the Lord's closeness. It just feels like not too much is happening. Is that spiritual desolation? Is it something different than spiritual desolation? And again, depending on how we answer that question, we're going to respond in one way or another to the experience that we're calling dryness. Let's begin by looking at some of the data from the writings of St. Ignatius and then the early Jesuits. When Ignatius gives us the description of experiences or the list of experiences of spiritual desolation in Rule 4, we don't find dryness there. We just went through those uh, in earlier conversations. However, Ignatius has other brief, uh, they're called directories. What happened was this. Ignatius knew in his own lifetime, and the early Jesuits knew that those who were going to give the spiritual exercises to people needed more guidance than was available in that very essential streamlined volume of the spiritual exercises. And so Ignatius began this during his lifetime. On some occasions, he would just jot down notes. It was never a finished work. And on other occasions, he would give answers to questions to his Jesuits, and they would jot these down. And so we have these initial brief directories or practical commentaries giving advice on how to give the spiritual exercises. Others of the early generation of Jesuits also wrote, out of their training by Ignatius and their experience, wrote more developed directories. And so a body of these directories developed. And the goal of all of this was to put the best wisdom out of all of these directories together in what would be the official directory of the Jesuits, and this was published in 1599, a little over 40 years after Ignatius died. And it's the classic directory for the spiritual exercises. So what I want to do now is go back to these early directories and ask the question, do we find dryness there when they describe spiritual desolation? So as we said, Ignatius does not include dryness in the experiences, the list of experiences of spiritual desolation as he gives them in Rule 4. But he does include it in what's called the autograph directory. This is one of these brief commentaries on how to give the spiritual exercises autograph because uh, there's some of his own handwriting in it. 
And when he addresses the issue of spiritual desolation in this directory, he does include dryness. And the way he says it is dryness against tears, sequedad in the Spanish, against la contra lágrimas. So that in spiritual consolation, there are tears, tears of joy, tears that express the warmth of knowing God's closeness and his love. And desolation would be exactly the opposite. It's the the dryness, which is the absence of such warmth expressed with tears. Then in some of the early Jesuit directories, these first-generation Jesuits who were formed by Ignatius himself, and significant among them is Juan Alfonso de Polanco, who was secretary of Ignatius for many years and has a significant directory on how to give the exercises. And Polanco does include dryness in the Latin uh, ariditas. It does include that as an experience of spiritual desolation. Another one of these early uh, first-generation Jesuit masters, Diego Miró, when he speaks of spiritual desolation, describes it as sadness, want of trust, lack of love, and dryness as is said in the fourth rule. Now, he uses a different Latin word than Polanco. His word is sicitas, which is the dryness, for example, when you have a drought and things are drying up. And it's interesting that Father Miro sees this as something that is included in the fourth rule, and dryness, as is said in the fourth rule, so that even though the word is not there explicitly in Ignatius' text, as Father Miro reads that text, he understands that Ignatius intends Dryness has an experience of spiritual desolation. And then in the official directory, which was the gathering together and and compiling out of all of this early material, an official formal directory for giving the exercises. And this was composed 43 years after the death of Ignatius. So we're still very close to the origins. Dryness is again included as an experience of spiritual desolation. And then one more of these directories because it adds another interesting nuance. It's called the short directory simply because it's short. Uh, There's no indication of the author. And in this directory, spiritual desolation includes dryness of affect and darkness of mind, as is said in the fourth rule. So again, this directory understands dryness as included in Ignatius' own fourth rule in the exercises but explicitates that the dryness is an affective reality which corresponds to a darkness of the mind or a cognitive reality. So that in spiritual desolation, there is a darkness in terms of understanding, a confusion of heaviness, and an inability to see clearly. And the corresponding heart-level experience is dryness, an emptiness, uh, an aridity. So, Having looked at that data from Ignatius and the early Jesuits, we ask the question then, here is a person who is praying, who is living the spiritual life and living it faithfully, and he or she is spiritually dry, that is, um, devoid of affectively warm stirrings with a sense of God's closeness and the Lord's love. When is that experience an experience of spiritual desolation? And the question obviously matters because depending on how we understand the experience of dryness, the remedy or the response is going to be very different in various cases. 
Now, the answer depends upon the specific form of dryness that the person is experiencing. Because as we've said earlier in these conversations, in spiritual realities, very often the same word can mean many different things. So what we need to do to answer that question, when is dryness spiritual desolation, is to look at the various forms of dryness. I don't intend to give an exhaustive list, but we'll, we'll say enough in order to make clear what the answer needs to be. So forms of dryness. And the first form of dryness arises simply from lack of formation in prayer. So here is a person of goodwill who wants to pray, but has never had any instruction or formation in prayer, and so flounders, doesn't really know what to do, and says, my prayer is dry. In this case, the simple need is for instruction in prayer, so that if the person can learn, for example, how to pray Lexio Divina, or Ignatian Meditation and Contemplation, or the Liturgy of the Hours, or the Rosary, all the various forms of prayer that our tradition so richly supplies for us, very likely then the experience of dryness will cease, as the person now has an idea, knows how to pray. And we all need, like the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. We all need to be taught in prayer. I've never forgotten that when I made the Ignatian spiritual exercises, when I finished them, I said, somebody has finally taught me how to pray. Uh, The tradition finally was mediated to me in a way that showed me how to pray. So if anyone were to be experiencing dryness for that reason, the need is simply to learn from the tradition how to pray. And of course, there are all sorts of ways of doing that, digital, written courses, and so forth. Uh, We actually did a series earlier on Ignatian meditation and prayer and the Liturgy of the Hours. A second form of dryness can derive from negligence in prayer. So here is a person who has been praying faithfully, loves the Lord, and then for whatever reason, prayer begins to slip and get a little more spotty. So it's no longer as consistent as it was, maybe not as prepared as well, be care to find the conditions. So things are slipping, some negligence has come into the life of prayer, and the prayer begins to feel dry for the person. In that case, the need and the response is to integrate again those areas into a rich and faithful prayer so that the person become more faithful to the prayer, uh, prepare for it in the way that the person know helps best and so forth. And very likely in that case, the dryness will also cease. Yet another experience of dryness can derive from an inconsistency between prayer and life. So that here is a person, again, faithfully praying, loves the prayers, finding it fruitful. And at a certain point, something comes into the the way the person is living that is not consistent with the prayer, something that is against the teaching of Christ. It might be simply sinful, or it may be simply something that is a failing or a fault somewhere, but a pulling away in the way we are living, or in some aspect of the way we are living, from the communion with God that is prayer, from uh, the relationship with God that is prayer. And I think one classic example of this in our tradition is those 10 years in St. Teresa of Avila's life when she was faithfully praying, but she was also living in a way that was not entirely consistent with that, seeking things that for her life as a contemplative nun were really more worldly than they should have been. And prayer was very painful, very hard for her, very difficult for her in those years until finally she was able to resolve the inconsistency and then that kind of struggle in prayer ceased. So a person might find if something like this has entered his or her life that prayer gets more difficult, 
and we say my prayer is dry. In that case then, I said reverently, the need is to reintegrate that aspect of my life into consistency with, with my prayer. And then again, very, very likely, the experience of dryness will cease. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me, and bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee, forever and ever. Amen. We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Could I bring up an example, Father Gallagher, or two that uh, might be apropos for some people who are listening that are kind of struggling with what they feel is this dryness? For example, someone who maybe had the experience of being able to attend daily Mass. And because of circumstances, maybe they had to get a job, maybe maybe a child was born or whatever that might be, they're no longer able to attend daily Mass. And so they feel maybe this dryness, and yet they feel that the other forms of prayer may not be as effective as the daily Mass. They may not even try. It, the fact is that these are the circumstances in which they find their life. What might be the remedy in this particular case? Well, I think that's a different situation in a blessed way from what we've just been describing because there's no negligence in the person's life there. There's no introduction of something that is contrary to what Christ would want that is leading to the difficulty in prayer. It's actually something very beautiful. You know, the birth of a child, for example, that leads this person more deeply into his or her vocation or, you know, a, a job that is necessary for the sake of the family and so forth that make it difficult. So I think the first thing to say to anyone in that situation is do not feel at all that you are failing the Lord. On the contrary, by doing what you need to do for the sake of your work, for the sake of the new child, or for whatever the reasons of health that have come up, 
to take proper care of an illness or some situation, we are entering actually more deeply into the vocation the Lord has called us as we do these things out of love for the Lord and in the Lord for those with whom we share our lives. Having said that, then the need is to find the way to pray in the new situation. An excellent uh, source resource for this would be uh, St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life, because he addresses exactly this issue, although he is speaking of a broader issue of, yes, monks in their monasteries can pray regularly and be dedicated to the things of God, and then the sense would be that others who have to live more actively in the world can never hope for the same kind of closeness with the Lord or prayer or holiness. And so he very warmly says on the contrary. And the whole emphasis in his book is how does one live the devout life, the life of holiness in the world, in the active life in the world, in the lay vocation, in marriage, and and so forth. So the need is simply to pray in the way that is possible in the new situation. And it might be uh, the rosary, it might be the liturgy of the hours or a part of it. It might be possible to get a few minutes of quiet time. I think I've quoted to you before a mother telling me once that several young children, the only place of quiet she could get was to go in the bathroom and lock the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was where she would pray in the way that she was able for the time that she could have. I remember reading in the life of uh, St. Marie of the Incarnation when she was still in France at home watching her mother in the home working and seeing that her mother's lips were moving silently as she worked in the home. So creatively, we can find, I think, it it is always possible to pray. The only need is to shape the way we pray to the circumstances into which God has called us at a given time. And know that a time is very likely to come when it will be possible to return to daily Mass uh, as the children grow and, and, and so forth as situations change in our lives. So that's all God asks of us, is to pray in the real circumstances of our lives. And that might be something that could be considered maybe a, a lack of formation in prayer. Maybe they're not aware of the other forms of prayer, that there are other ways to open a door to that that continued relationship. We just have to seek those out, would you say? I would. And that's just part of the spiritual formation, which is a part of living the ongoing Christian life, so that we're always learning. And I would actually say that if life maybe is more busy now than it would have been a few generations ago, we also have means that were never available before to find that spiritual formation. And I'm thinking, of, well, of what we're doing right now, you know, digital means through computers and phones and tablets. We can have it in our car. We can have it while our hands are busy and our minds are free. So that the, the avenues for spiritual formation are abundant and easily available. To say nothing, of course, of, let's say, something that's offered in our parish or, or retreats, programs of formation in a diocese. There are all sorts of things out there as well. So all we need to do is dive into that world. And as we do that, the possibilities expand and we'll find the way that we can pray uh, that fits best in our real circumstances. And that negligence in prayer and, and how that looks, it's, is it possible that sometimes that we almost attempt to do too much or we set ourselves up 
for the possibility of that maybe we become discouraged because we have not allowed ourselves the time that we've wanted to dedicate to that prayer. And so then we become discouraged and then we, we, we kind of fall off mm. in, in, yeah. in a sense. Yes, I'd say that's yet another situation. Again, I would hesitate to call that negligence because probably what's behind that is goodwill and a desire to do uh, as much as one can, you know, to pray as richly and faithfully so that uh, we'll go back to the mother with young children. Well, if I get, get up an hour earlier, I'll have an hour of prayer. And then tiredness comes in, you know, after a while. I think the Lord loves that kind of desire. But it's important not to let the realization that I can't pray in this way in these circumstances lead to discouragement. All that's necessary is to find the way that is possible in the circumstances. And I would say that it is possible regularly, not heroically, in the sense that I can get up an hour earlier if everything goes the way I hope it will the evening before so that I can get to rest on time and nothing unusual or unforeseen comes into the week. And in terms of various health issues, everything is at its maximum going well and so on because life isn't like that. So I think it's important to choose what is realistically possible in the messiness of real life. And my suggestion would be, if we're not sure, so to be maybe a little too concrete, well, should I get up an hour earlier, a half hour, 20 minutes? My suggestion would be start with less rather than more, and then you'll find out if you can do more. And it's a lot better, I think, to start with less and sense uh, with a certain uplift of heart that I actually can do more and sustain it than it is to start with the maximum and then find out that I can't do it and in, in, with tiredness and a little regret, you know, diminish what I'm doing. So I would say start with what we, we know is realistically possible and then uh, we'll see where the Lord will lead. But, you know, these questions that you're raising now, they're good questions they're questions about people who are generous, who really want lives of prayer and just need to find their way within it. And that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. And it can be so frustrating for some. And that frustration can sometimes lead to maybe hearing that voice that is discouraging. Oh, you, you failed. Or you, you can't do this. Or I, I'm trying, but I'm just, I, I just can't. I, and then it feeds into a whole lot of a series of other discouraging and, and, and in some ways accusatory tones towards ourselves. Well, I remember one time I was uh, going through the teaching on prayer in a parish. We've had a couple hundred people for this. And this question came up. Somebody asked the question. And I said what I've just said just now. That uh, So the person said, well, I've heard we should spend an hour in prayer every day, apart from Mass and so on, just an hour with Scripture. And my response was to, to reverence that, and where that's possible, that's a very beautiful thing, but to indicate that for some people that will not be possible. And my suggestion is to start with what you know you can do, and in doubt, Try less rather than more, and you'll find out if you can increase it. And I could feel a sigh of relief go up from the group. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so 
Uh, God does not ask what's impossible. What God asks us to do is with love to be faithful to our vocation. Uh, and whatever busyness may be a part of that. If, for example, to stay with the same example, taking care of young children, it's not going to be possible. Um, I think I could say probably uh, universally, it's not going to be possible in that case to have a quiet hour in the morning. And not to let that be a burden, but to find the way to pray within the real circumstances, which again is what Francis de Sales is all about. Yeah, I've... I experienced this in the life of a dear friend. God bless her. She is now gone to the Father. She she died um, about a year or two ago, but she was in her 90s and literally bedridden in a nursing home. And this is a woman who faithfully went to Mass every day, uh, prayed the rosary, was involved in scripture study. But in these later years, the ability for her to be able to do that diminished significantly. And it was a source of discouragement for her when she felt, all I can do is maybe watch the rosary on television now. She would watch, for example, the rosary on EWTN. Or, uh, and she would almost beat herself up, like, this is not what I used to do. It's not good enough. I'm not served. Instead of allowing herself to, this is where I'm at, this is the best I can do, and to be open to receive whatever the graces are that God is meeting her in that in her experience at that time. I, I think she would eventually uh, become um, more accepting when she stopped um, accusing herself of, or, and being frustrated. It, it, that could be a, a part of that block, can it? I mean, that can be that that discouragement can be a very real thing for some. Well, I would pull two elements out of an experience like that, and one is just a very natural human struggle or regret at the loss of a certain energy, which allowed us to do certain things, whether spiritual like this or just physical. And I think we need to reverence that. That is not easy for any of us when. Um, there's a diminishment physically that no longer allows us to do things that we've loved and have been fruitful for us. The other element is the specifically spiritual piece. And there, yes, there is a journey of acceptance of the Father's will that um, the Father is inviting us to pray now in the way that is possible. I think it's beautiful that she watched the rosary on, uh, on television. It's a beautiful way to accommodate to her new physical circumstances to accommodate her prayer to that. And so to find those ways, I'm thinking too of a woman I know in her late 80s now, prayed all her life, uh, no, has very, very little energy now, very frail, but has a very beautiful spiritual life. In some sense, she's always with the Lord. Prayer is ongoing, even though she doesn't have the energy for more active forms of prayer. So the need there is a certain surrender and to pray in the real circumstances. And all of this says to avoid any sense, that, as I say, we'll reverence the human struggle. Something has been lost that was beautiful in our, a certain energy. But spiritually to know that uh, the Lord is not asking any more than what is possible for us in these circumstances. And so to close the door 
with God's grace as best we're able to that kind of discouragement, which is not something that the Lord would want, and which gives a vulnerability for the spiritual desolation that we're speaking about. But I think what a person needs in that circumstance is really to be reassured that you're you're doing exactly what the Lord wants now as far as your prayer goes by praying in the way that you are able now. That's all the Lord is asking. Let your heart be at peace about that. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action. With Father Timothy Gallagher. Would one be consoled in some ways that if they're aware in their heart the movement is towards a desire to um, enter into that relationship in whatever fashion they're able to in that time into prayer towards God? as opposed to maybe that awareness that I'd rather do other things that lead me away from that encounter in prayer. There, you know, I want to do other things as opposed to being able to dedicate a, a certain aspect of my life you know, continually in that prayer. Am I making that more complicated than what I'm trying to describe here? Well, yes, I think those are two different things. One would be simply a turning away from prayer, and the other is an inability now to pray, just for physical reasons, to pray in the way that the person was accustomed to before, but with a consistent longing of the heart for the Lord and in a, a desire and, and, in fact, praying in the ways that are possible. Like that beautiful example of watching the rosary on television. Yes, those are very different things. And the second thing that we've described is beautiful. It's all the Lord is asking. It would be interesting uh, to also to read Therese in her last months when she had the illness, that book, Her Last Conversations, where day by day her sister chronicled the things that her sister said. And 
And Therese says this along the way that she, she just she's no longer able to pray the divine office with the other nuns. She's in the firmary too ill to do anything, even to go to Mass at this point. And uh, all she does is, what are you saying to the Lord? Nothing. I'm just loving him. You know, it just She's praying in the way that she's able to, offering her, her daily suffering also to the Lord in union with the Lord. So that, that those are going to be the ways that we're going to be able to pray in such circumstances. And they are beautiful. To go back to the woman that I just mentioned in her late 80s, she is someone who prays for the various events that I do. I send an email. And I am convinced that her prayer is among the most powerful prayer support that uh, is there for me in these various events because it comes out of life and suffering freely offered to the Lord. I, I think this woman's contemplative presence, because that's what she's leading now, there's no activity anymore in her life, but it's just living in the presence of God, just being in communion with the Lord and offering physical suffering. I think that is a powerful source of grace for the church. So because we're on this, it's probably important to say that, that um, prayer, I think, at that stage becomes not just formal prayer, but it becomes our life and our suffering. In a certain sense, it's a sharing of what Jesus experiences on the cross in our own bodies, in our own humanity, that united with him, as Paul says, makes up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of the body of the church. So it's very important, too, I think, that we know that, that the contribution that we make or the fruitfulness of our prayer now is from suffering linked with prayer in the way that we're able to do that. I'm also thinking of, um, uh, this was one of our priests in my religious community, the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, who just died last April. He was in his late 50s. And uh, about seven years ago or so, he was uh, working in the Philippines uh, at the time. He contracted an illness and was brought back to this country and diagnosed with MSA, a multiple systems atrophy, in which one after another, the different systems of the body gradually shut down. And normally life expectancy is about six years from, the, from onset. And so he went through all of that and we watched him. He spent the last three years of his life in the hospital in his bed, increasingly unable to move and finally unable to speak. But it was just a powerful thing to watch this. He would say Mass every day in his hospital bed with an iPad that he was able to touch and, and, and move the, um, the prayers of the Mass. There were visitors constantly. When he celebrated his Mass, there were always people there with him. And after the Mass, he would leave the Blessed Sacrament for an hour exposed on his little hospital tray. And he and the others there in silence would have an hour of prayer. He too was somebody who prayed for different events, and his prayer was, was, was powerful. You know, I used to read about saints in such circumstances, and the, the writers would say they never complained. And I never really fully believed it. You know, how can you go through these things? But I, I saw it. You know, um, never complained, willingly smiled, uh, willingly laughed. Just people loved being with him. There was a lightness and, uh, and a brightness about him. Well, that kind of life, lived with faith, accepted with love, and with such prayer as, that, as those circumstances allow, um, is probably the richest spiritual fruitfulness of the person's whole life. 
I say probably because many different things can, can happen in different lives, but certainly at this point, a person's presence in the world and the church is um, indescribably precious and fruitful. See, that's one of those things I don't think we appreciate, Father Gallagher, that that uniting, that's prayer. It's like a, almost a 24-7 constantly, in, as St. Paul said, that's somebody who's moved into, I am so united, I'm, my prayer, I'm, I'm praying all the time. And it's, you're praying not just with the words that come out of your mouth, but your whole being, everything that's affecting you in this moment. You're uniting. And that's prayer, isn't it? It is prayer, and it's transforming the person, and it's fruitful for the church. Well, let's just go back to this uh, sentence from St. John of the Cross that we quoted earlier. But now in the, in the context of a person living this situation, the smallest movement of pure love is more useful to the church than all other works put together. Let's just say that again. The smallest movement of pure love when we offer to the Lord the suffering, the struggle, the inabilities, pray in the way that we can, try to be patient, smile at those who are assisting us, and all that we're doing, the small these are small things, but the smallest movement of pure love, when that's done out of union with the Lord, a desire to love in the way that the Lord is asking me to love, that's more useful to the church than all other works. Think of the great missionaries, the building cathedrals, teaching in universities, hospital work, ministry in parishes. The smallest movement of pure love is more useful to the church than all other works put together. And that's where Therese delighted in discovering her vocation as, in the heart of the church, I will be loved. And what's remarkable about that is that all of us can do this. We all have small daily opportunities, many, many of them, in which we can try to love in the way the Lord would want us to love. And that's more useful to the church than all other works put together. If we are really just in these small daily things, that's again Therese, nothing dramatic, just uh, smiling at the sister who splashes her with the water and so on, the different things. We can all do that. You know, sometimes I, I, I think of what... Um, when Thomas Merton first went to the monastery in uh, Gethsemane in, uh, in Kentucky, he said to himself, now I see what holds the world together, this silent, hidden life of penance and prayer. And people who are in this circumstance of some physical limitation, but live it in this way like the people we've been describing, that's what holds the whole church and the world together. It's that holy presence. One time a priest came into the monastery, uh, the Carmelite monastery, for whatever reason, maybe to assist one of the sisters who was ill. And um, he was bringing communion to one of the sisters, and Therese accompanied him, leading the way with the lit candle. He said afterwards, just seeing her, she was like that lit candle. And there was a holiness, a closeness with the Lord, a goodness. We can be that kind of lit candle in our homes, in our parishes, in our marriages in our hospitals, um, and that's what blesses everyone in our, our surroundings and throughout the church and the world. That's what our hope is. And so to, to connect that once again to desolation, for someone who, the, the enemy in that suffering, the, 
would want you to despair, to detract, to say this isn't what you used to be. You are not the person that you were. You are failing. Yeah. Or instill fear about the future or a host of other, just a raft of other things. The circumstances, to be aware of the circumstances of your life and to look at them through God's eyes and not to listen in whatever that might be, you know, to the, to the voice of the enemy. Absolutely. The enemy will willingly work in any vulnerability that we have so that if there is a physical vulnerability because there's pain and limitation, so there can just be naturally a discouragement there, very willingly the enemy will pull a move into that and bring the spiritual desolation. You're failing the Lord. You're not really a person of prayer of any value. Uh, you're regressing in the spiritual life. God is disappointed with you. And all of that heaviness and all of that as we've said before, like everything else about spiritual desolation is a lie. None of that is true. And that's where, well, setting captives free. That's where this teaching of St. Ignatius can be so helpful. So that if a person could be exposed to this teaching as the person goes through a situation like this, it's very helpful. Or if we're visiting a person like this and we know this teaching, if we can share this with a person, uh, it does a great deal to lift the burden and to instill hope and to see the truth of the situation, which offers a very, very rich opportunity to love and to serve, you know, the Lord. And I think just one more footnote on this, the, you know, we've been speaking of those who might be suffering from an illness or have had circumstances change in their lives. So it's affected what they had perceived as their normal prayer pattern or the way that they found consolation in prayer. But there are also those who are, will be listening to you, Father Gallagher, who have responded in such a way to this call that they've been called to serve, whether they've been called to an awareness that they have a vocation. And so they're a seminarian that's praying in the seminary, or it's a young mother who has started a, a prayer group, or somebody who has even gone to work in a parish and they think because they're doing the Lord's work that they would receive more consolation. They're saying yes to the call, and yet now something's come upon them, and they're hitting this time of dryness, and it's baffling because I thought, because I'm doing the Lord's work, that it would actually grow and it would get better. That area can be a quagmire for many, can it? So I would refer... Uh, anyone who resonates with what you just said to our earlier series where we went through the rules systematically because that's where Ignatius helps a person in that situation. This is a person who's dedicated, taking new steps, serving the Lord with energy, and uh, at a certain point finds that the energy has waned and there's a heaviness and a discouragement now that comes into this and it gets hard to persevere at such times. There's no shame in experiencing that, as we've said many times. It's normal spiritual experience, and there is a way through it. And it's very important that we know the way through it. Because if we go through it with the, the wisdom Ignatius supplies and the tools that he supplies, not only will those times not harm us, so that we won't be giving up the new steps and so on, but we're actually going to grow in beautiful ways. 
as we learn how to understand that situation of spiritual desolation, and we learn what to do in that circumstance, and we, we put it into practice, then beautiful growth comes into our lives. Because growth in the spiritual life comes both from the joy of spiritual consolation, it's probably that kind of energy which led the person to take these steps, but it also comes from undergoing spiritual desolation and faithfully going through it. With the wisdom our tradition supplies, and Ignatius is the prime exponent of it. So if what you've just said resonates in the hearts of anyone listening, then I would warmly invite the person to go back to the the series that we did on the discernment of spirits, of course, the corresponding book, and so on. And there they will find a very valuable teaching from Ignatius on understanding the situation and knowing how to move forward without harm and actually with progress. Join us for our next episode, where we'll continue our conversation about other aspects of dryness and prayer in relationship to spiritual desolation. You've been listening to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. You can find this book on Father Gallagher's website at fathertimothygallagher.org. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, and take action with Father Timothy Gallagher.